So we're just looking at this. Again, this is 3 John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, probably written about the same uh, time period. They, they're similar. In fact, 2nd and 3rd John are very similar. Uh, there are differences, but you see they're talking about the same topics, for example. The elder, that's a title. You know, the Apostle John never refers to himself by name in any of his writings. So this is very common. It's thought that he is this authoritative elder. Some have said that perhaps that he's just really called himself affectionately the old man. The old man is writing to us, but this man who has authority, and he's writing to the beloved Gaius. Gaius is a very common name back in that time. We've got other mentions of, of Gaiuses in the New Testament, but this is probably a different one. But it's someone that John really loves. He says at the end of verse 1, whom I love in truth. The word truth is going to be repeated several times throughout this passage. In fact, I'm not really that much on making titles for my messages, but I've kind of entitled this one truth and reasons to rejoice, reasons to confront, and reasons to imitate. And John is starting here by talking to Gaius and emphasizing, I love you in truth. He says, Beloved, I pray for you. I'm praying for you, Gaius. And there's three things that he's using to pray for. And I think this is good for us to keep in mind. How do we pray for people? Well, we might follow John's example and pray for these three things. If you look at the typical prayer list at a church, I think what I have found typically is there's a lot of folks on there that are sick. And it tends to be when we have prayer requests, it can almost become a situation where you're trying to outdo each other with just how sick and miserable the person is that you're wanting to pray for. And, uh, you know, you wonder, is there any basis really to, to have a list or to pray for people like that? Well, we kind of see that here in uh, Third John, the second verse. Beloved, I pray, first of all, that all may go well with you. So that's just in general, everything, whether it's related to his finances or you know, work or his marriage, uh, just, just everything. I pray that you have some prosperity there, that it goes well. But then he's also praying that you might be in good health. So right there, we do have an example. It's okay to pray for people and their health. Okay, so don't hesitate to do that. But I wonder how many times we have lists of, uh, on our prayers that maybe... It's not just, Lord, help him to get a job or her to get a job or, or, or the, the different crises, just that things will go well, or help him to, to get healed from his sickness. How many times do we pray for a person's spiritual lives? And right here, John says, and I pray that it goes well with your soul. And honestly, I don't know that even at churches, we pray a lot for people's souls as much as we do for their bodies or their financial situations. You understand what I'm saying there? But yet it's good to pray for those things, but let's don't forget to pray for someone's spiritual life. John was praying for this individual Gaius, those three things. And there are some reasons to rejoice. And John's gonna mention those here. In verse three he says, for I rejoiced greatly. I mean, I was really happy really thrilled when the brothers came and testified 
to your truth. So there are clearly some brothers, and we don't know anything about them. We don't know just who they are, but it's obvious they had visited Gaius. Maybe they had visited him at church, and they were now back to a point where they were able to report to John and to the church. What they have heard or what they testified to and told John is that Gaius is in the truth. Listen, I think that we, we often celebrate things today like we hear, we hear numbers. We hear that, that he's making a good salary, getting a lot of money numbers. Or maybe it's in the congregation, maybe the, the numbers of people are growing at his church. And those, those are things to be thankful for. Are we especially thrilled to hear that someone is in the truth? More than the numbers of people that are coming. Listen, there are folks that meet on Sundays and they have lots of people attending their services, but there's not much truth in those services. And John is rejoicing that this individual is living in the truth. In fact, he says, he says this, you know, we've, I've heard the testimony from these brothers that you are in the truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. Sometimes we might hear a testimony of someone. We might hear that this is what's going on over there. But when we know reality, maybe it's not as good as we heard. But what John is saying is here is I've heard, Gaius, that you're in the truth. And in fact, that's reality. You are walking in the truth. It's in a, the Greek verb uh, tense, present tense, meaning this is an ongoing pattern of Gaius's life is that the pattern of his living is that he is walking in the truth. Listen, I hope, I mean, I hope that if someone was able to testify of me, maybe they came to the seminary and visited with me and they went back to their church and they reported, I hope they would say, hey, Philip Atterbury, Dr. Helwig, Dr. John, those guys at the seminary, they are for real walking consistently in the truth. Now, would you like to have that testimony? I mean, I hope that we would. And, and John says they're not just talking about it, but they're actually doing that. Or, or Gaius, you're actually walking in the truth. Verse 4, he says, I have no greater joy. Talk about reason to rejoice. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, at some point, Gaius had apparently been under the ministry of John. Maybe John had led him to the Lord. Maybe he'd been a member, uh, participant of the church where John was. But, but it's clear that John considers Gaius like a spiritual child. And he says, there's nothing greater for me than to hear that my children are walking the pattern of their lives or in the truth. I did have an opportunity uh, not long ago to visit a church and and was talking with the pastor and was asking about the outreach and things that they did. And he said, we do EE. He said, we go out, you know, knocking on doors, inviting people to our church. He said, in fact, several of the people in our church are here because we went out and we knocked on doors and we shared the gospel with them. And I know for a fact that he learned that from one of our students. And so that was a thrill 
to me to hear him say that, he wasn't really making the connection uh, because he just wasn't thinking about that. But I saw the connection there that one of our students trained him on how to do this, and they're doing that and crediting you know that with being a part of their church. Listen, it's a thrill to hear that our seminary students or those who've been a part of the seminary to hear when they're walking and practicing the truth. Yeah. Listen, I think probably, even though John doesn't say it, I imagine he would agree with this, that perhaps the greatest disappointment is to hear about people who've been involved in your ministry who are not walking in the truth. You know, I think about the BMA seminary. I was a student, you know, here. In fact, there was a reason for me to look at some pictures recently of students that were here. Some of them at the same time when I was a student, some of them before. And I gotta tell you, there are folks that I look at and I know, I remember that guy, but I don't know where he is right now. In fact, a lot of these guys that went to school with me, they're not even in ministry anymore. Guys that were a lot smarter, seem to have a better grasp on things, but something happened, and they're really no longer in the ministry or serving the Lord. Probably most of us professors could agree with that, that we remember that happened, having happened. There have been guys that have come through this school and their, their marriages have fallen apart. There have been some guys who've ended up doing things that put them in prison. I'm talking about seminary students who sat right here in this room and heard messages preached right from behind this very chapel. But things happened and they did not continue walking in the truth. And, and I say that, I guess, as a, a warning or an alert that just, you know, do not think any of us, myself included, no matter how much I might think, no, I'll never do that. I'll never fall like that. I'm a human being. I'm a depraved human being, and you are as well. And if it's not for God's grace and work in our lives, we will make those decisions that are poor choices and put us in places that are outside the truth. Be alert to that. Well, John goes on to say in verse 5, it says, Beloved, you know, it's a faithful thing here. So, so we know that he's rejoicing over Gaius. And he has this good testimony. But, but exactly what are we talking about? What's the specific thing that Gaius has done that John is so pleased with? Well, verse 5 says, Beloved, it's a faithful thing that you do. Again, this ongoing practice. This is a really good thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers. Strangers as they are. Here are some brothers. We don't know specifically, like, are these, are these missionaries? You know, are they church planters? Or are they, are they seminary professor types? Are they going and teaching and, and doing benevolence? We don't have specific information, but these are brothers that apparently travel and they do carry the gospel. These are brothers, even though they're strangers, even though you don't know them really well, it's a good thing that you do, this faithfulness in trying to support them. You know, most of us, I would assume, are part of churches that have missionaries that we support. And you may not even know them very well. 
But what John is saying here, he goes on with this. These brothers testified to your love before the truth. Now, this is the second time these brothers have testified. One is they testified that Gaius is walking in the truth. Now they're testifying that Gaius has love. And they testified before the church. So they went back, it seems like there's a local church. These brothers went back to and they reported and they said, let us tell you about a man named Gaius. He's walking in the truth and he sure does demonstrate love. He has supported us even though he doesn't know us that well. And John goes on to say this, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. That's a little bit peculiar. I should have run all this by Dr. Helwig before I said what I'm going to say, but the Greek is a little peculiar. It's future in that you will do well, but it's past in the sense where it says in the ESV, you will do well to send them. That sounds future, but it's, it's actually a past tense type thing. So it sounds like two possibilities here. One is that John may be saying, you know, you will do well in the future. You're going to be blessed because of what you have done for these brothers. It, it could be that. Some scholars looking at it say that it could be his way of saying, look, in the future, will you please continue doing what you've done already? Keep on helping other brothers in the future. Either way, it, it's a blessing. Now, why would you want to help these brothers and send them away on their journey? And some scholars say that send them on their journey, that's, that's, that would have been a kind of a, a code for the early church. Uh, these are missionaries. That would be kind of the way they would have understood this. These are missionaries. And to send them on their journey would have been a way to talk about missionaries. And he sends them away in a manner that's worthy of, of God. I don't know that we always send people and missionaries away in a manner worthy of God. I don't know that we always look at them and see that what they're doing is so important. And it's it's a task that is worthy of our tremendous support. And I don't think it's just missionaries. I would think really that seminary in any ministry that is trying to uplift the name of God, any ministers that are trying to do that are worthy of support. So he says, you do a good job and you'll do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name. As we said in our, our, our music time, we're talking about the name of Jesus. Back then, when you talk about a name, you're not just referring to the letters, the five letters, J-E-S-U-S, that make up the name Jesus. But you're looking at everything that Jesus is, all of his character, his integrity, and everything that he did. So it's what Jesus, you know, who he is and what he did or what he does, we're taking out that name. And these brothers were taking out that name. And as we read from the book of Acts, Chapter 4, there's this one passage where Peter says some about the name. You know, there in verse 10, he talks about by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. We're talking about Jesus 
We're talking about the one crucified by men, but raised from the dead by God. That's who we're talking about. That's the name that we're referring to. This name is able to, to heal uh, the lame. He's able to do that. He is the stone that the builders rejected. He's become, though, the cornerstone and the fact that there is salvation in none other name uh, given among men and un under heaven. There's no other name by which we can be saved. When somebody is carrying that name and that message about the crucified Jesus who rose from the dead, able to heal, able to forgive you from your sin, of your sins, able to save you, there's nobody else by which you can be saved. Look, a guy, a man, a brother, a sister who's carrying that message is worthy of our support. Here, that's what John is saying. Guys, I like what you're doing here. You're supporting him. Because here's a reason to support him. Because these, these brothers accept nothing from the Gentiles. It doesn't mean that if a Gentile offered him $5, he wouldn't take it. Or if he offered him a meal, he wouldn't take it. But the idea seems to be here that Gentiles or unbelievers, pagans, they are not supporting the work of missionaries. There's no regular support there. It reminds me a lot of BMA Seminary. Okay, there are universities and educational institutions of higher learning all over the, the country. They get tax dollars. You know, we're we're all paying taxes and we're and we're and we're sending money to these universities. But I tell you what, there are no tax dollars coming to support BMA Seminary. There are tax dollars going to help institutions that teach things that are contrary to Scripture. I mean, just outright blaspheming even Scriptures. Some of you have been to state universities and you've heard those things before you came here. I heard it where I went to school years ago. They were, they were, some of the things were, were just anti-Bible. So who's going to support those that are bearing the name of the only one who can save. Well, it's not going to be unbelievers. We can't look for them to, to fund, you know, have the lottery fund us. Well, that's not going to happen. And so we need believers to support. And that's what John says. Therefore, we ought to support people like these. That we may be fellow workers for the truth. So when you as an individual support missionaries, support Christian education, you're joining in on that. You know, not everybody in a church goes and earns a PhD in theology or something like that and teaches. That's just not the way the Lord calls everybody. But they can still be a part of that education by providing funds to support it. Not all of us are going to be able to learn a language like Spanish or French or, or, or something and go to a foreign country. But we can be part of that ministry for the truth when we support missionaries like that. This is all good stuff right here. John's excited about Gaius and his testimony of being in the truth and loving and supporting brothers who carry the name. But, not everybody does that. Verse 9, he says, I've written something to the church, but 
I tell you what, I don't want my name to be following a butt <laughs> in, this, in, in the Bible. I don't want, I don't want you know, the Apostle John to say, I've written a letter to the church. There's a lot of good things going, but there's this guy named Atterbury there. I don't want that. But there was a guy named Diotrephes. Here was his problem. He seems to have been a leader in a local church. And it seems like John had written a letter to that church, but it had been stopped by Diotrephes. And why? Well, one is because Diotrephes liked to put himself first. He liked his church his way. Done his way. This is my church. And we'll do it my way here. It's the way it seems to be. He likes to put himself first. And so when John writes a letter saying, here's what you need to be doing in church, Diotrephes says, well, not in my church. This is my church. That seems to be what's happened here. In fact, what he goes on to do is he does not even acknowledge John's authority. He does not acknowledge our authority. I don't know if that's John and Peter and Paul and the apostles. But I tell you what, I think we see people today that do not acknowledge biblical authority. I'm convinced there are people who think that they know better than the apostles Peter, Paul, and John. Why is that? Because even though the Bible says some things like, well, I'll even say more than Jesus himself. Jesus gave us the great commission to make disciples, and yet there are many people that don't make disciples. There are many church leaders I have spoken to, and I'll tell them, you know, we need to be making disciples. We need to do something to help make disciple makers. And I've literally had people tell me that won't work here today. It won't work in the United States in the 21st century. Oh, so you have something better? What you have done when you refuse to acknowledge the authority of Scripture is you've tried to put yourself, your name, above the name that's above all names. And that's really what happens when you say, hey, I know the Bible says this. Yeah, we got this letter here from you know, an apostle or a prophet, but, you know, we're going to do things our way today. Listen, these guys here, what Diotrephes does, he goes on to say this. Well, well, first of all, John says, so if I come, we might better understand that of when I come, I'm going to bring this up, what he's doing. I'm going to confront this. I'm going to deal with this. There are reasons to rejoice. John has listed some of those things about Gaius. There are reasons to confront when a person has seen himself as number one above even the scriptures and he denies the authorities, that needs to be confronted. Look, he goes on to do this. Uh, John says of Diotrephes, he says he just keeps talking wicked nonsense against us. Kind of a peculiar wording there. It is wicked and it's just nonsense. It's senseless. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. There have been some times, occasions with me where I've, I've had folks say bad things against me. And as they're talking, I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. You know, what you're saying is not even, it's not even true. It's just, it's just senseless. That's the way Diotrephes is. You will have people that will say things about BMA Seminary. They'll say things about your church. They'll say things about you, against you. And you know that's crazy. What they're saying doesn't even make sense. We seem to live in a culture right now. And I've said for years, years I've said this, 
There's hardly anything worse than being in an environment where you cannot even ask a question without suddenly being labeled. Oh, you must be this, or you must be that. You're either this or you're either that. It's a horrible environment to be in. And here I think that's kind of what we have with Diotrephes. He's just saying nonsense, it's slanderous, it's gossip. That's the environment. Not only that, whereas Gaius is helping brothers when they come, well, Diotrephes is having none of that. He seems to want nobody else to come and have any influence. And he goes on to say this. He says, I will, uh, well, John says, I'm going to talk to him when I get there because he's talking wickedness against us and not content with that, not satisfied with being number one, refusing us and saying bad things about that, us. He's not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers. There may be some pastors, and I'm encouraging you, don't be like Diotrephes, who won't ever let any missionary come and talk in your church. Won't let anybody from the seminary come and talk about the ministry. You know, but Diotrephes, he wouldn't let anybody come. He wouldn't welcome the brothers. Now, there were church members that wanted to hear from the brothers, but what Diotrephes does is he stops those church members. No, 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 no. I'm stopping you from welcoming these brothers. In fact, he goes on to say, we're going to kick you out of the church. We're going to put you out of the church. We're going to run you off if you keep welcoming these people. People who are bringing the name. There are people like that in churches that it doesn't matter if you're bringing the name. They got it their way. They want it done. You know this happens in churches, and this is what John's talking about. There's a reason to imitate what's good. It's kind of like a third point here. He says in, in verse 11, Beloved, do not imitate evil. Now that, that should not be something that we are surprised to hear. It shouldn't even be something we should have to encourage. But that's what John is saying. Do not imitate evil. Well, why, you know, but in contrast, imitate good. Because here's the truth to believe. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Guys who do what Diotrephes does, they say evil, ugly things about God's leaders. They don't support people that are carrying a name. It's all about them. That's the kind of evil thing he's talking about. And you've got people even in churches that do that type of thing and they think they're so close to God. What John is saying is, look, you haven't even seen God. You don't even know what you're talking about when you're living such an evil way as Diotrephes. What we need are people that are imitating. They're, they're doing what's good. The type of good things that Gaius is doing. They're walking consistently in truth. They're loving and they're supporting those who proclaim and take the name of Jesus. Now there's a guy named Demetrius. He's a good example. A good example of a good example. Verse 12, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. Everyone has something good to say about Demetrius. Demetrius is probably the one who is bringing this letter to Gaius. It seems like maybe John sent this letter to the church, but it, it's been blocked by Diotrephes, so 
he's given it to Demetrius to take and give the guidance. That seems to be what happened. Demetrius has a good report, good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. This is where I'd like to be. I'd like to be, you know, I'd like for all of you guys to be able to say, if you were testifying, oh, Philip had a very great, great testimony. The real deal. Walking in truth, walking in love. But if none of you were there, none of you were there to support me, nothing but the truth itself, I hope that folks would be able to say, oh, wow, look at that guy. It's just like the truth. That testimony. I'd love for that. But then John says, we also add our testimony. And you know our testimony is true about Demetrius. There's a lot more I'd like to say. I had much to write you, he says in verse 13, but I'd rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and talk with you face to face or mouth to mouth. I have, hope to have a real you know, personal conversation with you. Will be peace with you and the friends, probably church members where John is, they greet you. And I'm asking that you greet each of the friends there in your church. Greet each of them by name. So, today, let's just ask a couple of questions. Are you walking in truth as an individual like Gaius, and are you supporting brothers? who are rightly carrying the name. You need to do that. You need personally to do that. Don't just say, well, my church does it. I mean, do you? Do you give financially? Or do you other th do other things that support mission work, whatever capacity it might be, Christian education and so forth, but those that are truly bearing the name. Now, if we had time, we'd look at 2 John, and we would see there that there are some people where, as John here says, welcome the brothers. In 2 John, he says, hey, there's some people out there that are deceptive. They have poor theology. Do not welcome them. Do not have anything to do with them. Because if you do, then you're actually participating in their evil deeds. But here, you're going to participate in the good things of truth by supporting those who accurately bear the name. What about the name? You know, if we were just at church, I'd probably ask, do you carry the name? I mean, has the name of Jesus, have you realized Jesus died and rose for you? Have, have you received Christ as your Savior? Do you carry the name? But then for us here as leaders, do you think your ways are better than those of the Apostle Peter, Paul, and John, and the Bible? you got your own ways to reach the world today. Better than even Christ. Are you refusing to submit to the authority of the Bible? Or do you submit to it? And instead of speaking ugly about other leaders and brothers, you're encouraging them and supporting them and leading your church to support those who rightly carry the name. Like John, are you praying for the well-being and, and health and spiritual lives of people you love? Are you like Gaius, walking in the truth and loving and supporting missionaries? Or are you more like Diotrephes, doing these negative things? Or are you more like Demetrius, who has a great testimony?